This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, August 11th, 2013. What business are we in? The child development business. So today we continue our series, What Business Are We In? Today we're in the child development business. So good morning, Connection Church. Wow, that was pretty weak. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. <laughs> and we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time today, a time that you had in your mind's eye long ago. It's no accident that any one of us are here today. Now we would pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds so that we might receive what you have in store for us, and that we would be changed and transformed by it. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And everybody gathered said, amen. amen. So the child development business, you know, it's, a, it's our job to help children develop. And, and, and even though it seems like it's something that happens naturally, it really doesn't. And, and the way we know that is this. Maybe you've heard stories of children who have been raised by animals for one reason or another. They were lost or taken or left or whatever and and they've been raised by like wolves or dogs or even monkeys i was reading about and and in some cases you know when they've been found and brought back into human society they've had trouble adjusting difficulty doing all the things that we humans would quote naturally do because those things aren't maybe quite as natural as we think they're the result of other humans guiding, directing, and, and bringing us up. Much of what we do is learned thanks to the parents and other guardians, adults around us, and how they train us up, so to speak. And so you might be thinking, oh great, a message on children. I don't have any, or even I don't want any, or I've had mine. And it's somebody else's turn now. Anybody ever thought that? <coughs> oh, don't raise your hand. Okay, so all that might Especially be true. <laughs> all that might be true, but this message is for all of us, even those of us who are not directly raising kids anymore. And we hope that by the end of the message, you'll see why we say that. And as we said, uh, uh, much of what children are supposed to do naturally isn't all that natural. And and so we have a job to do with this. We go back into uh, Genesis, the first chapter, <coughs> excuse me, verse 28, and we're told to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. We did our part. Yeah, we, we tried. We had four. Yeah. But then it doesn't give us a whole lot of information of what to do with what we multiply. Do you get what I'm saying here? It kind of, uh, the Bible gives us a lot of instruction, but there's not a whole, whole lot of detail on child rearing. Um, but there is a little bit. So oh, a little bit. We'll look at that right now. In the book of Proverbs, we find some ideas, some suggestions, some ways to take a look at how to raise children. And basically, it all points to the same thing, <coughs> and it's discipline. For example, let's take a look at Proverbs 19:18. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty intense, wouldn't you say? So what this is saying is that a child's very life depends on giving them discipline. 
giving them guidance. So one of the most uh, frequently quoted scriptures in disciplining children is found also in Proverbs 13:24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now we often paraphrase this and we quite simply say spare the rod, spoil the child. And uh, you know there's a lot of debate on this whole rod and child and corporal punishment thing and um, it's really not our uh, goal this morning to really enter into that debate. That might be for another time and another day for you to enter into. <laughs> the point though is that scripture does make it quite clear that it is our job as parents, as caregivers, as guardians, to offer discipline to our children. But notice the word discipline, the word is discipline, not the word punishment. If we look at the American Heritage Dictionary, it offers several definitions for discipline, and they, and they center on training, on controlling, on guiding, on you know, encouraging, more, uh, on behavior. It's not until definition four that the word punishment is even mentioned when it comes to defining this idea of discipline. And, and also, even though punishment of some sort or another might be included in the development of our children, that's not the primary focus of discipline. Primary focus, again, is to train, to guide, to direct, to control children's behavior so that ultimately they don't need us guiding, controlling. They are self-directed, self-controlled at some point. Amen? Amen. Well, when it came to our household and disciplining uh, children, uh, two things. First of all, we always tried to have this united front so that, you know, one couldn't be played against the other. But also, uh, never promise something that we couldn't deliver. For instance, I probably wouldn't say, you are grounded for a year. Who wants to put up with them for a year anyway? <laughs> I mean, crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know what? If you don't eat your supper, you're not going to eat for three days. I mean, really. Honestly, we say things like that, and it completely discredits really our, our parenting and our influence uh, on, our, on our kids. I remember once... Um, <laughs> You know, one, the kids aren't here, so we can say anything we could, now. They're all out of the sanctuary right now. Our so um, One of them once... Uh, it was a teenager and uh, broken a rule, and so we decided to take away the car for two weeks. Boy, that was stupid. That was really dumb because we were punished by doing all the driving back and forth for two weeks, and we're like, oh, man, what were we thinking? So, but we, we stuck with it because it's really important <laughs> to deliver what you say. Yeah, and not only promise what you can deliver, but be sure to deliver, as you just said, what you promise. Now, um, my mom was a tough cookie. I'm telling you, I used to call her the little general. And, and, and I mean, she was very serious about things. And the thing about her, though, that I appreciate is when we were in a store and she said, Alan, if you do this, you're going to get this when we get home. And this usually was a, like a, you know, those flyback paddles take off the ball, take off the rubber band, and you have a weapon. 
and that was usually what was going to be delivered. And, and, and if you do this out, if you continue acting up or whatever I was doing, this is what you're going to get. And when we got home, mom was very good at delivering what she had promised. Now, now my father's kind of the emotional type, you know, as he's upset. That's, he said, I don't know how you can even do that. You're not even upset. You're not even angry when you get home. Well, that point wasn't, especially, it's not a good idea to deliver uh, punishment or direction when you're angry, is it? Uh, it can get crazy. The idea is, no, just, with a, just be able to deliver what was promised, but make sure what was promised made sense. That's the thing, you know, you don't want to deliver something that's crazy, so you got to promise and deliver something that makes sense. Yep. We watch this all the time. Uh, Ray, that's what my grandkids call me. Ray, I guess Carrie, I'm not sure where it came from. But anyway, Ray, can I have a cookie? Nope. Wait for supper. Ray, can I have a cookie? Nope. It's, it's almost supper time. Ray, can I have a cookie? Sure, what do you want? Oreos or chocolate chip? I mean, it's just this wear down thing, but really, they know that, and so they just keep going and going and going. The important thing is that we're not really doing our kids or grandkids, the kids around us, any favors at all if, if we don't help discipline in a, in a positive way. They've got to be trained and guided because as parents or grandparents or if you're, you know, guardian, if you have guardianship, it's your responsibility to help kids become more than just uh, polite, more than just good manners, but productive members of society. It's also up to us to help our kids become faithful followers of Jesus. It's up to us to train our kids in prayer, in reading the Bible, in participating in small groups. Our children's ministry is now small group based to try to help them, you know, be a part of small group ministry. Um, we're supposed to teach our kids how to be generous the way God has been so generous with us. It's really difficult to train our kids if we aren't doing these things ourselves. You know, they don't take us seriously. So it's important for them to see us model behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not with the kids, do what, I, do what I say, not as I do, because the kids are watching, and what you do speaks much louder than what you say. Uh, but they are listening, and they're watching everything you say and do, and they will follow your lead. They will follow your lead. They will do what we do, be it good or bad. Do you ever have a child say a word that's normally not part of your house, and you automatically turn to your spouse and say, where did they learn that one? <laughs> I don't know. Right? I don't know. But they learned it someplace, didn't they? Maybe it was outside, but we've got to be careful. They're not learning it in the house. Show them bad behavior. What do you think you're going to get? Bad behavior. Show them good behavior. I don't know. It's not a guarantee, but it's more likely you're going to get good behavior. The other day, our, our daughter, Erin, and we got her permission to share this story because we hate to... We don't try to share stories of our kids. You know, preachers are notorious for sharing their family laundry out there on the stage. We asked Aaron about this. We got this, uh, she had a Facebook thing about her son Jacob who had prayed, and this was his prayer. This is a great little prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. And then he, she said he wandered around a little bit in his prayer. And then he closed it by saying, and for the things we don't deserve. 
Now he's four. It's a four-year-old kid. And you go, wow, boy, Jacob's really deep for four. And then I talked to her and she says, well, you know, he's heard his father, Kyle, say that prayer several times. Wow. He's listening and he's picking it up. And the thing is, Jacob might not quite understand what the things we don't do, but he probably has an inkling. And as the more he says that and as he gets older, that's going to be a part of who he is, isn't it? And so, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, you know, all the variations there, but like parents, like children, they're, they're watching, they're listening, and they're repeating. <laughs> so what we need to do is give them good stuff to repeat, amen? Make sure it's good stuff. Remember, a big part of disciplining our children is being disciplined ourselves showing them what to do, not just telling them what to do. And a, and a big part of that is simply being faithful on our part. I want to talk about that for a minute, but it just occurred to me that um, like if, if you're in a household with others, whether it's your spouse or, or kids, um, you know, the way Alan and I talk to each other, if it's not honoring, if it's not respectful, the kids hear that. And then they may not be honoring or respectful. So it, I mean, there really, really is a trickle-down effect. And um, I know that we've all heard kids repeat, either with an attitude or words, stuff that we've said. And, and I know that I don't want that. I cringe when I've heard my kids mimic my behavior that isn't God-honoring. Alan talked about... Um, displaying faith, teaching our kids faith. Back when uh, we were both in seminary at the same time, uh, we had four kids. Turner was just an infant at the time, and, and times were really, really tough. We were both serving churches. We actually, you know, qualified for food stamps. We had that low of an income, but when it came to birthdays or Christmas or stuff like that, the church was so generous so generous. And instead of pretending, you know, doing this big mystique, oh, look, you know, surprise, we would say, look what God has done through the church. And so they saw this from a very early age, how the, how the body of Christ ministered to our family during those times. And then they each claimed their faith and their salvation for themselves, which that is the biggest thing I'm thankful for in, in anything I could ever do, that God, you know, opened up their hearts that way and that they're saved. But display faithfulness, even when it's tough, and the kids will see that and learn how to be faithful. Hmm. You know, helping our children develop as Christ followers doesn't just happen. You know, it's like I was talking about uh, just behavior in general doesn't just happen. And, you know, some people think, oh, that's the job of the church. Well, and that's true. That is the job of the church. When we baptize a child here, we as the community of faith, we pledge collectively to support that child in the faith, to surround the child, to, 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 to see, help see that that child has what he or she needs in order to uh, be and become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. We say that at the end of the baptism collectively. 
And so that's why we have ministries here like First Look and like 252 that's going on right now on the other side of that wall and why later today we're going to have a pool party with the junior and senior high kids and they're in Sunday school right now up the hallway there and, and we're going to be starting something this fall called Sam Student Arts Ministry which is just going to be a great opportunity for kids to express themselves, themselves spiritually through the through the arts and um, and that's why on the other side of that wall there's a nursery going on right now and and they're, uh, they're even though they're little guys you know the songs in there are Christ-centered songs but even more so it's allowing uh, some of y'all to be here so that you can get shored up for another week out there so that uh, so that you can be recharged to be the spiritual leaders of your households and so that you can help guide those kids even at home yeah so we do all these things because it is so important for every single one of us to be involved in the spiritual development of our, our little ones, our, our kids, our, our young adults. Um, we have collectively pledged to do that together. And so we also have to look out for the spiritual development of kids outside of these walls. And uh, that's why we're so excited about the Peach Festival, because the kids can get here and receive a free snow cone or be on one of those giant inflatables and, and receive a smile and a, hi, how you doing? You having fun by all of you? And maybe it will help connect them and their families to Jesus and the life he offers. And so, um, and so that being said, the primary responsibility, even though we're, we're charged with helping children in the faith here at church, the primary responsibility still lies with parents or guardians or caregivers in the home there. Now, I always marvel at how I hear people say, well, we got to get prayer back in the schools. My friend David Burke says, as long as we have tests, there's always going to be prayer in school. That being said, we got to get prayer back in the school. Well, are you praying in your home with your kids? Because why don't we get prayer back in the home with the kids? Then let's worry about the schools. We got a whole lot of homework uh, to do before we've got schoolwork. You know, we have kids at home many, many more hours than we have them here at church. When we went to church to raise them up, we have them a whole lot more at home to work with them. That's why it's so important to be aware of what the kids are doing at church and then reinforce it at home. That's why, like in 252, right over there, they're going to have take-home, a take-home component, so to reinforce at home everything they're doing here on Sunday and throughout the week that can be uh, worked on and reinforced over and over and over again. That's why we had FIX, the family worship experience, so kids and families could worship together. Stay tuned for our next one. All right, so we talked about scripture that came from the Old Testament, from Proverbs, the first part of the Bible. We want to share some scripture that comes out of the second part of the Bible called the New Testament, where child development takes on a greater importance. You see, Jesus treated children at a whole different level of value and respect than we read about earlier. So let's put this in, in perspective. Uh, let's go back 2,000 years in Jesus' time, and we take a look at the Roman culture, the world of the child back in the Roman culture. They had little or no inherent value at all. In fact, after a child was born, a midwife would take that baby 
in, in some cases, in a lot of cases, apparently, place the baby on the ground, and if the patriarch of the family uh, wanted that child, he would, you know, lift him up in the air, one of those, you know, Lion King moments, and then that child would be a part of the family. Now, that patriarch could take that baby and look at the baby, and if the baby had any kind of apparent deformity, or if that thought, that patriarch decided that the family was too big, they couldn't support the baby, that child would be left, probably die of exposure, or picked up and sold by a slave trader. That's how it was in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So that's the Roman world. Now, within that culture, we have the Jews, like, living throughout that, in various places in that Roman world. And, and in the Jewish homes, it was not like that. They, you didn't leave the child out to be exposed or to be picked up by slave traders. They cared for the children. So they were in a much better position than in the Roman world, uh, the backdrop against which they're living. But children are still kind of to be seen and not heard, if you know what I mean. They still are uh, not highly valued, uh, as perhaps we do in some cases today anyway. And, uh, and the scripture kind of points this out and points out how the, <coughs> excuse me, the disciples kind of are devaluing the children at this point. Here's what it says. It says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. So can you imagine that scene? You know, there's Jesus, and parents are, you know, wanting for their children to be blessed by Jesus, and the disciples are like, no way, he's too busy. Don't bother him with kids. Well, Jesus saw this very differently. Yep. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. Now, don't you just love that scene of Jesus saying, no, bring them on, and just taking them like a big daddy, just welcoming them, blessing them. I mean, that's just like, oh, wow awesome. He welcomed the opportunity for them to be with him, and the disciples should have known. They should have known. They had been traveling with Christ not long before this, this uh, scripture. Jesus had already talked about children and God's kingdom. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child whom he put among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? I mean, does it mean that we don't have to eat our vegetables anymore and we can play video games or, you know, we don't have to do our homework, do our homework anymore? No. For starters, Jesus says, 
whoever becomes humble like this child. So think, think about kids. You know, they say, you know, mommy, can you help me? Or daddy, can you explain this? There's, there's this humility. They know where to go for help. They know where to go for answers. Now, that changes a little bit, you know, once we hit adolescence. But, but there's a humility of, of a child to say, Mommy, Daddy, Re, Poppy, we need a little bit of help. And they know that they're not really in charge. So in addition to being humble, though, um, the great thing about kids is how trusting and, and just faithful they can be. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have to have everything fully explained scientifically to just say, okay. They don't have to have all the machinations figured out. They can just say, yeah, okay, cool. The faith of a child, simple, unquestioning, trusting faith, the kind of faith that on one hand believes in tooth fairies and Santa and, and Easter bunnies, that, that same kind of simple trust and faith also can with no trouble believe in a God who created everything we see with just a word. Or uh, have no trouble believing in a God who can forgive even the worst offense and cause us to do the same. I, uh, I think about my kids when they were little and sometimes I'd get upset and I'd, ah man, just not be a nice person. And you know, uh, if it was an adult, man, I don't know how long it'd be before we'd be back on speaking terms. And with the kid within a I don't know, 20 minutes are back in your lap, you know, hugging on you. And, you know, it's just a, a forgiveness factor that's just unbelievable, that trust, that no trouble for a kid believing that a man could die on a cross and three days later come back from the dead. Yeah, they can get that real easy. Childlike faith, the kind of faith that, that truly is capable of believing that with God, all things, all things are, are possible. possible. So here's the thing about being in the child development business. We are all in the business. Every one of us has a part to play because we are the body of Christ called Connection Community Church. And we are called to nurture and love and guide and welcome children you know, from zero to, to right on up. We are called to be that. We are called to make a difference. That's why we have the ministries that we have, and that's why we get blessed to be a part of them. It's a blessing to be a part of them. We're also responsible to care and love and guide for kids outside of these walls, to be a, a, a good witness when we're you know, out on the little league field or out on the soccer field and, and reflect Christ in those situations. We're also called to help kids that we, we can't reach ourselves like our sister church in New Delhi, India, where Koshi Baby, you know, has a couple thousand kids who their only meal during that day is, is, a, is some bread and some milk, and we get to partner with them as we send milk money over every quarter and support those kids who we can't directly touch. God calls each one of us no matter where we are in our lives, to care about children. 
Here's another thing. No matter where you are on your journey with Jesus, you know, whether you're just here today and you are not even really know who this Jesus guy is, all the way to maybe you're like deeply invested in Jesus at the center of your life, no matter where you are, and no matter how old your children are, and, and, and even if you've neglected your, your children's spiritual development up to this point, know one thing. It's never, never, two more, never, never. <laughs> it's never too late to start. And no matter what your age, no matter what age your kids, even if your kids are grown and got kids of their own, you know, as you travel this faith journey, as you get uh, deeper, get more connected with Jesus, as your faith develops, and talking to your kids about what's happening, about how you're changing. The thing is, they're going to see it more than they're going to hear it. They're, they're going to see the change in you more than they're going to hear you talk about the change. And as they see that change, they're going to go, well, man, what's, what's different? And if they ask you, all you got to do is say, you know, it's Jesus. And let me tell you, that, that could have an incredible effect on their faith journey when they see what's happening in your faith journey. They'll see a difference in you, and they'll want to know what's causing it. And when they find out, wow, wow, never too late, never too late. So there's two takeaways. First of all, we're all in the, what kind of business are we in? Child development business. We're all in that business together. Next of all, you're a child of God. You are the son or you are the daughter of a most high God. God blew you into existence. It is no accident. It wasn't some random act. God knew you before ever, before anything. God knew you. You've been adopted by God. You have a perfect parent. You know, as parents, we mess up. You have a perfect parent that you can trust, that you can go to with everything. God will never, your, your perfect parent will never lead you down the wrong way, will never give you bad advice. But we've got to know him. We've got to read our Bible. We've got to pray. We've got to talk. We've got to be in community with one another to get to know who God is. We're not supposed to be lone rangers. So yes, we are responsible for children to make a difference, to serve, to be positive, to teach them about Jesus. But you can be confident that you too are that child of God who someone invested in you at some point, and here you are. Walk in that confidence and walk in the faith of a child. I'm listening now, the garage is starting, you know, they're doing that lean on me, that song. That's what we all need to do to lean on one another, but most of all, as sons and daughters of God, to lean on our perfect parent, the most high God. That's the good news, that you are loved, that you are valued, and our thank you note for that love and that grace and that mercy that is unmerited, that is unconditional, our thank you note is to serve God, to value one another, 
to see each other through the eyes of our Creator. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for this opportunity to take a look at something that's kind of tough, something that a lot of us don't think that really applies to us, but thank you for the, the picture of Christ welcoming children, the value of each person on this planet, and how you call us to reach out in care and concern <coughs> to the world. God, thank you for loving us as, as your son, as your daughter, and for your mercy and grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.com. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Boot.